Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My dad used to always say stuff to me. I'd be like, I don't are you are you seeing this dad he's just smacked him on the head with a chair like I don't care what three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island this is what I'm asking wrestling's best in the ring around the ring behind the scenes or behind a microphone I'm Tom Campbell thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps Yes, people, what's going on? Welcome to Adam McCullough TV. I am Adam. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has officially been sacked by Manchester United. Yeah, better deliver that Champions League. Otherwise, agendas are going to agend. Would you come back to United if... Of course he would. Of course, of course, of course. I would love to, to come back. Rafael da Silva, yeah. back up to Wan-Bissaka. Yeah, everyone is happy, huh? <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Jack from Cultaholic, and welcome back to Desert Island Graps. This is uh, my fourth time taking over from Tom, and every single time there's been a bit of a link to football. We've had two Liverpool fans. We've had Dr. Benji FM. We've had Paul Machen from Redmen TV. We've had Shotty Horror, the battle rapper and Man City fan. So now I think it's only fair to go to the red side of Manchester with my guest this time, Adam McCola. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm so excited to be doing this. Uh, obviously, talk about football almost every day. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I try and squeeze a little chat in about classic wrestling times um no one really goes with me so it's it's a good 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 fun for me to be doing this mm, absolutely now um people out there on the internet may well be aware of you from uh europe well you're one of the you're one of the i guess it's fair to say one of the biggest man united uh fans out there in terms of your voice and your reach uh you're also featured a lot on true geordie's kickoff which can get quite heated i'm hoping <laughs> that today's uh today's episode isn't quite as heated as that um, but generally, because uh, I always forget to do it at the end, if you want to like let people know where they can find you or what you've got going on at the moment. Um, well, usually just over on Stretford Paddock, which is the, mm. the fan channel that I co-own and uh, feature on. Um, and we, we obviously talk about Manchester United over there. My own YouTube channel. And as you said, um, the kickoff uh is where I'm on every single week uh, watching some games. It, doesn't, it only gets heated when we talk about Man United and that's because... We've not been great recently. So uh, as long as we steer clear from that, we'll be all right. You've had a very eventful season. I know it's largely been negative, but it's been, uh, there's been so many ups and downs, it seems, already from quite a decent start. I mean, I remember Bruno Fernandes scoring that hat-trick on the first week of the season, mm. signing Ronaldo back, of course, the decline in form, and now 
the announcement of a new manager. Um, although, is he on a temporary basis? or It's an interim basis, yeah. He's going to stay at the club for, I think, two and a half years. Okay. But it's an interim manager basis, and he'll help pick the next man. Fantastic. And apparently he's a bit of a, a kind of a Gagan Press legend who inspired Klopp and Tuchel and all those boys. Yeah, um, he's obviously from, from that school of thinking. Um, I think he gave Tuchel his first... Uh, coaching job and uh, encouraged him to to, to to consider coaching. Um, he's obviously got a good relationship with Jurgen Klopp. If he's bringing that style to Man United, then it's, it's going to be great to see. In terms of his managerial expertise, obviously he's, he's done well at kind of lower levels with, with um, Hoffenheim um, and with, I think, a team called Ulm in, in, in the lower divisions of Germany. Um, he obviously got Schalke to a semi-final in the Champions League. But I think the main thing for him is what he's going to be doing after this six months um, in terms of encouraging a philosophy and and hopefully developing the players and, and and the transfers that Man United will be doing. So it's exciting times, but it's still I'm still very sceptical about it all. Fair enough. It seems like a very measured approach. Fortunately for us, you're also a wrestling fan, um, yeah. which I was just saying before we started recording, I wasn't too aware of until uh, somebody pointed that out on Twitter and tagged yeah. you which is how this got set up. So thanks very much to that person on Twitter. Sorry that I can't remember your handle, um, but I'm sure they'll be buzzing when this episode comes out. Um, so we're taking you to a desert island where you are allowed to take three matches with you uh, to watch, only three wrestling matches from any promotion or era. Uh, and also towards the end, we'll have a, a bit of a, like a little mini bonus round where you can take one movie, one album and one luxury item, whatever that may be. So, Without any further ado, Adam, what is your first uh, wrestling match? Uh, so I'll explain how I've picked these three as we go through. In okay. number three, I've gone with the TLC2 from WrestleMania 17, 2001. Um, obviously, you had Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys. Um, and I was never really a huge fan of the tag team kind of genre. Obviously, I used to like, just be sitting there waiting for for that to kind of skip through so we could get to the main events and all those kind of things every time Raw was on. But when you had the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian, they just brought something different. And I remember in school and things like trying to do the Swanton bombs after school <laughs> gym equipment and all those kind of things. And just that match there epitomized everything about why I love the Hardy Boys. Apart from, I think Edge and Christian won it in the end, but mm. just the spectacle of it all. Um, obviously you had the T TLC one as well, but I had to get a fight in here from WrestleMania 17 because it is, I know it's, it's kind of cliche. Everyone says it's their favorite, but it is kind of like the peak of me watching wrestling, um, as a wrestling fan. It's, I think it was the peak of that kind of like probably the peak and the, the end of the attitude era kind yeah. of like for all those fans that love that era. Um, I thought WrestleMania 17 encapsulated all of that. So I had to get a fight in from there. And I went with 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 TLC two, um, and Edge Hardy. Uh, sorry, Ed Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Edge Christian, mm. um, and the Dudley Boys. Yeah, I loved all those guys. Um, would you say that you would you say the Hardy Boys? Because I feel like a lot of people who who remember and love that match, like many of us do, resonated more with one particular team out of the three. So would you say yeah. you were more of a Hardy Boys kind of fan as a kid? Yeah, I love the Hardy Boys. Um, I, I was gutted every time Edge and Christian won because I felt like they were the lesser of the three. Yeah. Obviously, now you look back and you just think they're all legends anyway. 
Um, but when you're in the moment and I was proper, like I either loved or hated and I just stuck to one people. I didn't really enjoy the show. I just supported someone. Yeah. Um, and the Hardy boys were my, were my guys. I wanted them to win. Um, and yeah, I got it when they didn't like on the games as well. I used to always be the Hardy boys. Um, you know, and the, remember the attitude games and the SmackDown games and all those kind of things on PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. I still love those games. man. I was always Matt Hardy because my mate had the PlayStation, so he always got to be player one. So he would always choose, yeah. he would always choose Jeff, and I I got stuck with Matt. And then I was like, "Let me be Jeff," and he'd say, "No, you don't know how to do the swanton." But he wouldn't teach me the, how to get on the top rope, so I was just devastated. Um, <laughs> That's not, see, I I had a younger brother, so I was always player one. Right. Um, right, right. So I was fortunate to get the Jeff Hardy role uh, <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, was this around the time that you do you remember when you first got into wrestling? So my first recollection of wrestling is an Ultimate Warrior poster, which belonged to my nan, I think. I used to live with my nan. Um, my nan was an older Irish lady who moved over to the UK. And for some reason, she loved wrestling. And um, I can remember wrestling being on, but I couldn't recall any of the matches. But I remember being like in awe of Ultimate Warrior. So he was the first wrestler that I could remember. And I had the like the, the figurine and the Hulk Hogan stuff and all that kind of thing. But I never really knew about the storylines. I was too young for that. And then around 97, 98, I started to get back into it. A Stone Cold started to just take off. Um, and I loved Undertaker. I loved Mankind. I loved all those people. Um, but through, I was kind of like, Stone Cold brought me back, I think. Okay. So, and presumably this was around the time that you're, I mean... I can understand if you wouldn't be too invested in it around the time Man United were just dominating everything. No, I think it was kind of like, they kind of peaked together, didn't it? Like we had, I when I was 10, I had, I was in the midst of the Attitude Era. I think WrestleMania 15 was in 99. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I had Manchester United winning the treble. Like it was the peak of everything. And then I just went into secondary school and it was kind of like the SmackDown era started to begin and stuff. So I kind of had like the best of both worlds at that time. I can't, it was amazing. I can't begin to imagine. I shoehorn it in every time we talk about football with a guest on here, but as a Sunderland fan, I just can't, it's a world apart from what I can imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could imagine oh, that. Man, it's painful at the minute. It's painful. Um, but part of me doesn't want Newcastle to get relegated in case we go up and I don't want another derby. I just hate derby day so much. Um, but anyway, let's... Um, uh, oh, it would sorry, be funny on. to see him go down with a billion in the back. It would be so... Be so <laughs> I'm going to need to stop myself getting sidetracked because I could rant for hours about this takeover. <laughs> like, it's oh, on so it's many It's so levels. horrible, isn't it? It's yeah, so, so bad. Um, but especially because it's the Derby rivals as well. I've just got that extra bit of, extra bit of bias. Forget the human days. rights. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, just yeah. like, it's Newcastle. Oh God, anybody but them. Um, uh, right. Um, I guess we should talk a little bit more about um, those first early beginnings of you as a wrestling fan. Would you say that, um, would you say you had more of a connection with it in that later Attitude Era when more, more kind of was going on, there was more energy behind it or as, so, it, as it does with much of us, did you find start. that you were earlier? Oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, the start. Sorry to cut you off there. No, don't worry. I'm so bad. I'm so bad at doing that. Oh, no, mate, don't the, the start was probably around, you know, Brett, I remember Bret Hart being a key figure. Bret Hart, Stone Cold was a game, uh, a fight that I can remember. It was around that and the Montreal screw job. Yeah. And all those kind of things going off. But I was around seven, eight. So I remember them happening, but, you know, I was just getting into it. 
Um, and then I think Stone Cold King of the Ring was when I was well and truly hooked. Yeah. Like properly hooked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to go to my cousin's house on a weekends or for summer holidays and he'd be watching WCW and we'd always have kind of like, a, I'd be like, oh, this is rubbish and Goldberg's just a copy of Stone Cold and what is this and all that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of like 97 when I yeah. first started to feel it. I think that's, that's the same for a lot of people. Probably I, I was a little bit later on, um, but I kind of caught the tail end of the attitude era, but I feel mm. as though sometimes you, you kind of wonder, will there ever be another period like that again? Cause, cause it was very, it was very much like the pinnacle of the industry. Everything felt exciting. I don't think it can ever be because they pushed so many boundaries back then. Um, and like, even when you think of some of the ridiculous attitude stories, like well, I always think of D'Lo Brown pushing a pregnant, a pregnant Terry off the ropes and, you know, things like that, or even D-Generation X just rolling up to where WCW yeah. was. And like, those things just couldn't, they just wouldn't be allowed to happen anymore. No. So for, you know, a lot of things for right reasons and all <laughs> yeah. that, but, but like, you remember um, D-Generation X being, in blackface and stuff and just pretending to be oh yeah the nation oh. and it's like none of these things would be allowed to happen now but back then everyone ate it up like it was it was crazy like the, so I don't think it will ever be it was kind of like a and also we had the wrestlers I know they still obviously put themselves through it but back then they put their bodies on the line all, every single week whether it was a pay-per-view Monday Night Raw a heat, whatever it was, like they yeah. were putting their bodies on the line. So I think you had kind of like this crazy just mixture of everything combining. And then obviously a lot of rule changes and regulations and things like that have come into play and you can't do that anymore. But yeah, I don't think you can no. you ever match that. I know you ever will match that. The, we're starting to see with the with the, the rise of AEW kind of a return of competition, even though WWE mm. kind of... WWE are kind of against acknowledging them too much because they don't want to see them as competition, but yeah. it is bringing back a lot of spark between the two um, promotions. They're kind of pushing each other higher. Um, mm. But what looking back, you say you occasionally catch a WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble. Is there anybody who's really caught your eye, even from kind of a distance point of view? And you might think, well, they're, they're just as good as some of the guys from back in the day. Do you know who I really like? Bray Wyatt's character who is oh, what was it called The Fiend um, The Fiend I, I thought he would have been amazing in the Attitude Era yeah um, and I think look I didn't I haven't watched it an awful lot to really have a true judgement mm -hmm. but I feel like they've got it wrong with him like I feel like he could have been so much more and so much bigger um, and even like I thought that maybe there could have been a storyline with the end of The Undertaker or you know something like that to really just make him pop and just go go massive, and they've never really done it. I've always I've always really liked his character. Whenever I've watched it, even that I can't remember if it was a WrestleMania. There was a crazy, was it with um, it was kind of crazy. It wasn't even a fight. It was just a weird kind oh, of the the like the fever dream with John Cena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That like I I even enjoyed that, and it was well weird. Uh, well, there would, like, been, there would have been so many references that may have gone over your head as not a regular viewer as well. Yeah, yeah. It was chock full of like insider ref. It was very bizarre, but I quite enjoyed it as well. 
That was the year when The Undertaker had his graveyard match with AJ Styles as well. That was really good, mm. I thought. Considering there was COVID and they couldn't really do it how they wanted to do it, I thought the, the kind of cinematography of it and everything was really good. And maybe that's a direction they can go in to kind of bring... It's, it's obviously, it feels like you're watching a movie more than wrestling at the time, yeah. but maybe that's one of the ways that could kind of resurrect that attitude era in a more contained kind of environment. But yeah, you're never going to get that back. But Bray Wyatt was someone that I thought, The Fiend was someone that I thought should have or could have been great in the attitude era. I mean, it's it's very interesting to, to hear because you say, you obviously justify what you said by saying look this is just from a I'm, you're, you've admitted that you're not that informed on the on the modern I'm very casual right, right now right yeah. of course but i think what you said was um whether you realized it or not is is what a lot of people have, have been thinking as well um especially the stuff about the possible like storyline with the undertaker a lot of people saw that going that way but it just felt like they never really pulled the trigger with him um it really fits as well like because oh 100 you kind of feel like he would have been great you know we've kind of that dark days of Undertaker yeah. and Kane and he would have, I oh, would have been perfect. Or even with like, remember the brood? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like some, For somehow like the brood were bang average in the attitude era, but this like just made such good wrestling. Like it was the theme music. It was amazing. Love the theme yeah, music. yeah. It was class um, in it. A common criticism a lot of people have is that um, there's not as many characters these days. Everyone's playing a wrestler rather than, a kind of an over-the-top character like maybe they used to a little bit. Yeah, it was over-the-top back then, but I think you kind of accepted it. And oh, yeah, yeah. Because they pushed the boundaries of what they did in terms of the wrestling show itself, the product around it, you kind of just et it all up. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they, sh- they should probably take more risks. Look how many risks Undertaker took and he survived, like the different, he had the ministry, he had the, you know, the the American badass era. He had like loads, of, he changed up his character an awful lot. Um, and a lot of the times you probably think that's not going to work, like, but it did. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, there could probably be a few more risks taken, but yeah, it's it's difficult as well, I suppose, because if you get something wrong, it's, it's so cutthroat now. Every time I see wrestling trending, it's because someone's getting cut. There's been a, a, wave, <laughs> it's a, a wave. Yeah, yeah man. it's like, it's so I imagine it's quite difficult for them as well. It's been crazy. Um, but we do have to rush along now to tell, uh, to tell, to ask you what your second match is that you're going to take onto the desert island. So I had to include, so this is how I thought through everything. I had to include a mankind fight. Mm. Um, and I was close to going with when he became champion for the first time on Raw. Um, because of the whole storyline with WCW leaking the story and kind of all that kind of thing. I thought that was great. Austin helping him with yeah. me being a big Austin fan was huge. And I loved uh, Road Dog and Badass. And obviously Road Dog at the end of the, the match, he grabs the mic and he, he announces him as the champion. So all of that was kind of like a perfect thing, but I didn't go with that. Okay. I went with Mankind vs. Undertaker, King yeah. of the Ring 98. It's, it's a tap-in. Yeah, it's a tapping, but that fight or that match, it was incredible. And I didn't. Uh, so during lockdown, when 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 the pandemic started, which feels like an awful long time ago now, I thought I've got time now. I'm sat at home. I'm doing nothing. So I I got uh, WWE on my on my television and I paid for it and all that. And I started going from. So I went from the Montreal Screwjob and I started watching Raw's and the pay-per-views and I sat back and I thought at the time I never realised it but I was such a huge fan of Mankind mm-hmm. and I feel like 
we kind of just took him for granted. Yeah. Um, and even though obviously he gets absolutely put through the ringer in this fight, I think it absolutely epitomized everything about him. And I couldn't not put Undertaker in my top three okay. matches. So I had to go with Undertaker as well. Um, that that's a match that I still can't really understand. Like, how do you when they were planning it, I always think, how did how did Mick Foley like prepare for that and think, yeah, that'll be fine. I'll just do that. <laughs> Especially the first one. He's he apparently he's gone on record saying the second one was worse through the roof. But yeah. but to the casual viewer, like the first one looks horrendous. Just he just carts him off. And then it's him, he's got the nose, sorry, the, the tooth hanging yeah. through his nose. He then gets the pins out and you're thinking, what is going on? And I've, I've always had the image of his foot and all the pins in the bottom of his foot as he's lying on the ground. And you just think this guy is nuts. Like, how can he continue to go and go and go? And I also kind of, you kind of got a rate Undertaker, you know, for being so... <laughs> ruthless and like <laughs> surely he's the only person there really that wasn't like oh god this needs to stop like yeah. he just keeps going and going and going and I think that makes it as well because he holds his character he's so cold and you know he was the undertaker like just that that clash of everyone loves mankind he's this amazing guy that you know just puts himself through the ringer and undertaker who's just ruthless you know, not an amazing wrestler, but what he does is impactful. Well, he wasn't um, amazing yeah. at the time, but he would go on to like, almost like in his 40s, he'd go on to become a really, but I know what you mean, back in the day, is, is it? Yeah, he was very was basic, limited. wasn't he? At the time, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I still thought that was part of his aura, like just yeah. walk in, boot someone in the face, choke, slam him, tombstone him. Doesn't really so- sell, <laughs> doesn't really like sell anything. He's not going to, he's not going to show that he's feeling pain. He just kind of wobbles. Yeah. Um, so I thought he was perfect. Um, I thought, yeah, that, that match again, like we said, that attitude era couldn't happen. It, that can't happen again. No, it just, it just, not. it just can't. Um, and probably for, you know, for the for right reasons, but yeah. yeah, what a match, what a match. And I still, that is something that to this day, I've still got WWE on there because I've been back at work now. I can't, but I'll still go back and watch that match and, you know, just take it in because it's, it's special. For for me, the biggest moment, apart from the two huge falls, the biggest moments, the the noise of the crowd when they're trying to get him to go to the back, but he's like fighting them off and his mask's yeah. off and he's just, it just turned him into an absolute hero. And I think, like you say, we kind of took him for granted. Maybe that was the match that actually made everyone think, oh no, hang on. Maybe like, even the, special here. the the company as well probably took him for granted until Maybe, that point. Yeah. <clears throat> what was he doing up until then? He was, he was still involved a lot, but he was with... Um, what was his Jack uh, Jake the Snake? Was in a was in a tag team with him. Um, he was, you know, Jake with uh, Terry Funk with uh, Terry. Yeah, Chainsaw Terry Charlie. Funk. That's yeah, it. Sorry, yeah. not Jake the Snake. How can I forget? Terry Funk's um, in yeah. that match getting choke slammed out of his shoes. His shoes pop off. Terry Funk <laughs> yeah. is amazing. Like yeah. he's a, he's from the same school as mankind, isn't he? Where <clears> he's yeah. just uh, he'll go through the mill. But like he was in some very low key storylines up until that point, and that just took him off, man. Yeah, absolutely. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So I've noticed that your two picks so far have featured in different ways, but two like kind of weapons-based or hardcore stipulations. Yeah. Would you say that's a side of wrestling you're drawn to, or is that just like a coincidence? Are they just the ones that stand out the most? It's a coincidence, but it's also, I think you'd find that we probably maybe a lot of Attitude yeah. Era fans or people that watched it in that time, because those are the fights that stick out. Obviously, I mentioned Mankind winning the championship at Raw. Um, like that's... And I, I think a lot of what makes some of these matches as well is JR. Yeah. Like without without him, I don't think I I consume these these matches the same way. You know. No, he's um it, it, to use like football as an analogy, he's like a John Motton type, someone who's not a wrestler but is regarded as on as adding as much to football as as like any player because you know he, yeah JR, he JR the is the voice thing. of wrestling. Man. Yeah. Mm, AEW have they still got him? They've, they've got JR. Um, he's kind of, I don't want to say he's lost it because that, that would be really harsh, but he, <laughs> he's obviously not got the same. I mean, he's getting, he's quite an old man now. He's not got the same kind of constant energy levels. He does peak mm. at certain times during a big moment, but. Um, he's like Ronaldo. He saves himself. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't press. He doesn't do anything. He just yeah. saves himself for the moment. Oh, what's he going to do with the new manager, actually, if he's not? Because I've heard, well, I've just heard that, I'm, I'm sure that's a question that's been asked quite a lot, actually. So I don't want to, I don't want to drag you into any sort of debate. It could be, I, I think he'll be all right, because I think it'll be more about a team thing. Okay. Um, and I think he's also quite a fit man, like, obviously, in terms of his... his he's a freak, he's a freak, yeah. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be all right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we're... we're um, kind of while we're chatting about the attitude here, I'm going to guess, although we won't move on to it quite yet, but I'm going to guess that your third pick is going to feature Stone Cold because you've mentioned that you're a big Stone Cold fan. But I have to. So th- the way I picked it was, otherwise I would have sat here and just listed off three Austin fights and I just thought, right, right. that's not really what I'm here to do, is it? I need to talk about other wrestling fights that actually, until I watched everything back, I didn't realise how important they were to me as I was watching them. Um, there, there are a lot of Austin fights I could pick and I need to name check some of them. Like, yeah, of course. That are just iconic. Like the Buried Alive match with Undertaker mm-hmm. is for me one of the most iconic fights. And I can always remember that. And I used to always, I can't remember which game had it, 
um, on the PlayStation, but I used to always recreate that match because there was just something about someone getting buried alive. It was just crazy. And the way it looked and everything um, was, was nuts. And I think I had the poster for that uh, pay-per-view with them both on it. So it just sticks in my head a little bit. The Triple H, No Way Out, free stage of how obviously mm. has to get mentioned. Austin versus Bret Hart, where he didn't tap. That's, is for me, that's iconic. the best one that you've named. Just I love that match personally. That is that is the uh, best so one. Good. That is if on I was paper, pick, like yeah. If I was to say which one is the best wrestling fight of all that I've mentioned today, right. that's it. But it's not my number one. It's not one. about that, no, of course. Yeah. Um, um but... my top two would be both Austin the Rock fights mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. I said I know there was three, but I didn't see the the last one really. Mm. I, I saw it, but I wasn't as connected as I was. Um, but I've gone with the one at WrestleMania 15. Um, and the reason why is because I think if you were to take a snapshot of that f- that fight or that matchup, Austin's winning. Mankind's the ref. He comes in to save the day. I've already told you how much I love him. Yeah. You've got Vince McMahon with the looker shot. But also you've got JR going, Austin wins, Austin wins, Austin wins. And I think that, just all of that, plus the crowd that night was crazy. It's 1999. I'm 10 years old. United are going <laughs> about to win the treble. And Austin, the guy that I love, like has just lifted the WWF title. And it's the best looking title there's ever been. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like that there is, is my, is my wrestling, like support in time in a nutshell, like just, the Rock versus Austin in '99, kind of Yeah, like it just—it uh, just sums it up perfectly. Um, and if I could watch any fight over and over again, that one brings back so much feelings of nostalgia that it would have to be that. I mean, it'd have to be that. It's—it's uh, it's interesting that the more people that are kind of interview for this format, how um, the the choices are really interesting because, like, I I've done an episode like on me. And one of my picks had like Steve Blackman in because I just loved yeah. Steve Black because it reminded me of being a kid and I just loved Steve Blackman because he used all the weapons. Yeah. So. But um, it's, he had it's, some great battles with Ken Shamrock. Oh, hundred percent. Like, you know what? We didn't like even, we didn't even appreciate them fights. Like no. they were trying to do this whole UFC thing. <laughs> like, no. like, what's going on? They had a fight. It was, was it those two fought in kind of like an underground? The Lions Den oh, or the Lions? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What was that all about? I don't know. He had the one with them. Um, uh, Shay McMahon when he chased him up the side of the the screen and knocked him off with a candle. Oh thing. yeah, that um, was amazing. But it's interesting when you said Austin Rock, I, I would have put like so much money on you saying seventeen because that's the one that obviously everyone says. So I'm really glad that you've said fifteen because like obviously everyone picks seventeen. But it's, you know it's interesting. What? It means more to you. You know, in 2001, you kind of had it, it was corporate rock, wasn't it? And then Vince kind of does him over and. Uh, I did, uh, 2001 I, was um. Was that was, Austin was the one who turned evil. And, yeah, yeah, and, that, yeah. That, I didn't like that whole. I didn't. I didn't sit. Obviously, I wanted Austin to win. I always wanted Austin to win, mm-hmm. but I didn't like the kind of field at the end of that as much as I did with the one in '99. A lot of people like, pinpoint that as the end of the Attitude Era when Vince and Austin shake hands. A lot of people say yeah. it, nothing was ever the same. Then suddenly Austin's teaming with Triple H. It doesn't quite feel right. It's You're bit, not supposed that wasn't supposed to happen. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I think they, I think Austin still had some great times after that. Obviously, he couldn't really be involved in as many 
great matches as he as he once could. But even like you know with his times with Booker T and like they're great and the what era was great. But that injury, man, Austin should have been so much more. And I, I think even yeah, you're right that that ended the the real feeling of animosity between the two. You know, yeah. like because you just felt like they really hated each other, and yeah. it felt obviously as a kid, so it felt. Like, oh my God, this is, mm. he really hates him. Um, and yeah, we still loved Dustin, but it felt weird after that. Do you remember how you found out that wrestling was scripted? Um, my dad just telling me all the time, but I didn't <laughs> care. My, I didn't care. It was like, my dad used to always say stuff to me. I'd be like, I don't, are you, are you seeing this dad? He's just smacked him on the head with a chair. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, uh, and also it's, EastEnders is scripted like all yeah. these different things are scripted it's like we still watch it um, and we still engage with it and you still fall in love with certain characters or whatever whatever and I think as much as it is scripted when you watch um, some of my best some of my favourite fighters as well to watch or wrestlers to watch I keep calling them fighters wrestlers to watch were like uh, Chris Jericho um Chris Benoit at the time. I'm mm. um, like these guys, Eddie Guerrero, like what they what they were doing, that was incredible. Like, so whether it's scripted or not, what you're watching is amazing. Um, and just to just to speak about Chris Jericho, the other day I was watching back um his intro um to to WWF when he first arrived at the countdown and the rocks in the I've got to say that has to be the best intro of all time for a, for a wrestler. Like, that is amazing. Like, the pop that he gets when The Rock is in the ring yeah, and how he competes with him on the mic. Because there, there's no one better than The Rock on the mic. And I think Jericho always challenged him. And I, I forgot how special Jericho was as well. And these were, at the time, what we maybe considered just mid-card people. And they were tearing it up. It's crazy to think how deep the roster was packed with star quality at the time when people like you said like Jericho and Eddie Guerrero who in any other era would be the top guy are like not they're like upper mid card it's bizarre we'd have like um, Road Dog and Badass Billy Gunn coming out first fight doing like the whole thing on the mic ladies and gentlemen and it's like this is the first fight and the crowd is saying every word yeah yeah on a Monday Night Raw this is the first like how how is this possible Mm. Um, yeah we had some too much good time um, I think I look at, at Jericho because when you when you mentioned Eddie Guerrero there, I was gonna kind of give him a bit of a sh- Eddie Guerrero is like one of my favorites of all time. I see him as he's like amazing. A, I see him as like a bit of a or, or was obviously, but I see him as a bit of a like a a silky like number ten. That's my sort of view. Yeah. Of Eddie he wrestles like so fluidly. Um, but I was gonna say is when when I thought that in my head, then you were talking about Jericho. I was thinking about how he's changed his game. Uh, I don't know if you've seen much of him now, but he's kind of gone through, like The Undertaker, he's gone through so many character changes over the years, mm. but it somehow he's like always managed to stay relevant and it's always, always worked. And I just don't know how he... It's because to- he can sell you, he could sell anything. Yeah. And I think there was always this great quality about him where he had this arrogance, but he also had this, he kind of knew his position. So like, I remember, do you remember when Stone Cold was stalking him? Yeah. And he's walking to the ring and he's really cocky, but also at the same time, he's kind of looking over his shoulder, really scared. It's like only Jericho could do the, both those things at once and make it like make it work. And I, th- I think those kind of qualities in him 
really come out a lot of the time. Like he can do arrogance and he can do the scared kind of, you know, little guy and having that plus someone that can deliver in the ring, he can sell you anything. So I'm not surprised that he's still going and still successful. Is he still at AEW? I know he is he was, at AEW, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know he's involved there, but I, I haven't seen a lot of what he does now. It's pretty crazy that the the names they're attracting, they've obviously got Jim Ross on commentary, as you said. They've got CM Punk. I don't know if you might have fallen out of it a bit when CM Punk was Did, I, I know, I know of him. Do they have Sting as well? They got Sting. Um, see, I love Sting. See, remember when I said WCW... Me and my WCW versus WWF when those wars were happening, me and my cousins were having those wars. But when I did go over to theirs and watch it on a Friday, I would be infatuated by Sting. And I used to think this guy needs to be on WWF ASAP. Immediately. He, um, like he was he was a special character, man. He came along eventually and they kind of they kind of balls it up because he he came along, had a match with Triple H at WrestleMania and Triple H won, and everybody said. That's Vince's ego. He couldn't let WCW yeah. or the memory of WCW or this guy who symbolizes it couldn't even let them get like one win over over the WWE, which was a shame because Sting should have beaten Triple H in that match. Everyone and they, they, you could still build up Sting. Like obviously, oh, I was, yeah. wasn't watching that, but Sting was, and even at the time, I don't think WCW really used him properly. They did show him a lot of disrespect. They were focusing on NWO and they were doing all that, but I thought he was like. Didn't they make him join NWR and stuff? Yeah, it was it was, like, it was a mess. Hogan oh, had was... Hogan had so much power behind the scenes. It was it was all a bit yeah, it was, it was horrible. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's move on now. So thanks very much for those three matches. There, it's always an interesting snapshot of somebody's fandom, and yours is is very clear. And it's I think this is probably the most nostalgic episode I've done because um, they're all from a similar sort of era and they're all absolutely iconic. But now we're going to move on to kind of the the bonus round or the 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 like the mini round where we need one movie, one album, and one luxury item. It's hard. I know it's it's as solid, you can see, but... I'm very indecisive for every you told me to name three three matches and I named about 20. Um, <laughs> and with movies, it's the same. It's like I always mention Godfather and Snatch. When okay. I mention movies. Um you did ask me movies first, right? I did, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I always mention Godfather and Snatch, but East is East is one of my most ever watched films. Like that is quite possibly up there, but I have to go. If I was going to go Godfather or Snatch, which one am I taking on the island? I'll go Snatch. Oh, okay. Um, what is it I'll about go Snatch? What is it about Snatch? It's, it's the quotables. It's the characters. It's the scenes. I think it's one of the best British movies ever. Um, I really do. Um, I think it has everything. I know you've got like Brad Pitt and there and that, but I think Guy Ritchie at his peak, that is it. And I just remember in school, again, it was probably, it was probably released around the same around time. This time. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember in school, just me and my mates had like, you couldn't get full songs on your, on your phone, but you could get like little 10 second clips. So we'd have like bricked up saying things and we'd play it during lessons and <laughs> all those kind of things. So, Snatch is something that I could put on any time or if it's on TV and it's halfway through, I'll carry on watching it or, you know, I'll, so Snatch, I'll go Snatch. Uh, I think I can totally understand what you mean because I'm not a big, like, film sort of fan. Like, I can watch a film and appreciate it as like, oh, wow, that's mm. really well made. But some films are just fun and constantly entertaining mm. all the way through. I'd say you're right. Snatch is, is one of those ones that it's just easy to watch. And and so, it, like, it never lets up. Like, the pace is so... 
high all the time. And it's got so much going on as well. So many different layers, so many different characters. And every character brings something like you got Tommy and uh, Turkish and you know, you got <laughs> the lads that are robbing the bookies and all these Boris, the bullet dodging. It's just, it's just amazing. I Do think you like it's, Lock? it's so well done. Do you like Lockstock as well? Yeah, but if I was going to pick one of the two, I'd go Snatch. I didn't even bring it into my mention be- or into my mind because then I'm just adding it. And then I've got Friday. I never mentioned Friday. Didn't mention Anchorman. Uh, I'm going to stick with Snatch. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> as if it couldn't get harder. Um, what about album? This changes all the time. So currently, like I'd have to say it's probably gets conflict of interest currently in terms of the album that I play the most. So if I was going to pick an album right now to put on, I'd say that. But my most played album of all time is... you got Marshall Mathers LP. you got the score, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. But... I'm sensing another late 90s theme coming in here as well. Yeah, I, again, this was probably, I think this was released in 99 or 2000. I'm going to go The Streets Original Pirate Material. Oh, okay, fair enough. But there's so, I've, so many different, like, because right now, if I pick up an album, when I, for example, I went to the gym today, I listened to Conflict of Interest, the back end of it, because I was already listening to it, and the start of Hoodies All Summer. So those are the two albums that I keep going to at the moment, but if I had like stats of the most listened to album, I, it's probably original pirate material. Um, uh, that's a, I don't think we've ever had anyone name a street album yet. So that's, that's very good. Um, I've, I don't know if this is just because of my age maybe, but I've always listened to a grand don't come for free more, but I imagine, I know a lot of people prefer original pirate material. Do you know what it is? Yeah. It's weak become heroes is quite possibly my favorite song well one of my top 10 songs of all time like okay. we become here i think it just resonates with me um but if like the start of the album dun, 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 and it's just like yo that the album starts off on a banger you've got i think oh yeah it's the best it's the best it's it's the street i saw the streets before the pandemic kicked in and he, he did all those and he was amazing and it was like uh, i'm just living my childhood dream right now. I've never seen Mike Skinner live, but um, and I'm not really, I don't know too much about like UK hip hop or, or whatever you would class the streets as, but um, mm. he's one of those kind of genre defined, uh, genre transcending kind of acts where it doesn't mm. matter what I'm into. Like I, I saw Dizzy Rascal again, I'm not that big into grime, but Dizzy Rascal live, totally different kettle of fish. Like it was amazing. I mean, oh, yeah. Mike Skinner is one of those for me. He is exactly like that. And he can do a DJ set. He can work with a whole band. He could, he could do so many different things. Uh, I think Getz is like that at the moment. I really want to go and see Getz um, because his album Conflict of Interest is a great piece of work. And I think seeing that live, I think it would be an amazing show. So I think there is another artist that you look at him and you think he does grime. But when you listen to his music, he does a lot more. He's, he's uh, very flexible. If if I went to see Getz, I'd be I'd be scared of him jumping into the front row and just clocking someone. He seems so aggro when he. I don't know. If, I don't know <laughs> when you say he's flexible. I don't know. I've maybe not heard the more kind. You of maybe have still stuff. got 
like F radio gets in your head. Right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but right, cool. So the streets, original pirate material. And finally, uh, luxury item. Yeah, I, I've thought about this a lot. And you know what? I'm a, I'm a bit of a loner sometimes. I, I like my own company a lot. So I don't mind if I've got a bit of music in my ears. So I went with like music is like an iPod or something. Okay. Some sort, you know, like just just a phone and headphones. It's is a that very, two things? No, that will allow that. It's a very it's a very practical answer. It sounds um, mad, but I actually love being alone and just listening to music and chilling. Like it's just sometimes because of obviously I, I'm very social media based, talking to people all the time, doing this, doing that. I like my own company. My family hate it sometimes, but I just do. I, I feel like I feel similar. Like I was I, lockdown was difficult, man, because I just missed eventually, no matter how all right you are with your own company, eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. it just becomes too much. But um <laughs> but with social media, like that became so bad during lockdown that yeah. I was seeing similarities because obviously I work in wrestling, so most of the accounts on my newsfeed are wrestling based. But because I'm a football fan as well, I was noticing so many similarities in the in the toxicity between the two, the two different mm. things. Obviously, football Twitter was much bigger, but like just people are I don't know how to I think the only way you can combat it is by just ignoring it, logging off, maybe, I suppose. But mm. how do you how do you do that? Sort angry of thing? People out there. Mm. I ignore it, you know. You, do you know there was once upon a time, and you know what, maybe still like there used to be a period of time where I used to read things that used to affect me or I used to look at every comment and really absorb things. And I think I've been, I think I've kind of learned to be able to brush them off a little bit now, but it does sometimes I just think I, I just stay away from it. A lot of, like I've switched my notifications off because there was a period of time where everything was just kind of just, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. And it's, um, I think you, you you can develop this kind of anxiety every time you get notifications. You're like, oh, is this good or bad? Or is this good or yeah. bad? So I kind of just turned them off. And I found not having notifications on really helps. But I just try and stay away from it. I read a few things. I read a few, but I probably won't tweet a lot, maybe once every couple of days or whenever there's a match on or something. So, mm. yeah, I just try and stay away from it as much as possible. But um, it's difficult to when you're in this world, isn't it? It certainly is. For me, I feel like it goes in cycles. So it's gradually over time, I think I've developed a bit of a thicker skin. Um, mm. But it's like some weeks, I'll be able to rise above whatever. And if and if I think it goes hand in hand with things like lockdown or if you're feeling bored or if something else is wrong somewhere else in your life, mm. that's when you're most likely to get, you know, affected by it. But I think you're right. The best way is just to ignore it, isn't it? Rise but then it's it. kind of like it's... It's kind of, it's mad to say, oh, well, just ignore, it's like, we shouldn't have to really deal with it, really. No. Do you know what no, I mean? Like, totally, totally. But it's, it, so it's kind of mad to go, well, just ignore it. Because I know not everybody can do that. Not everybody's the same. And to a certain extent, for as much as you do ignore it, and me and you will ignore something or think we've ignored something, sometimes you haven't because you've mm -hmm. still read it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you've still seen it or, yeah, you might think you've ignored it because you've put your phone away, but really you haven't because mm. you've so... Yeah, I suppose it's it's a byproduct of the world we live in, but it's a bit of a, a mad one. <laughs> well, that speaking of toxicity on Twitter, I am going to bring out a little bit of toxicity on my of my own, not in a bad way, don't <laughs> worry. but basically, 
this is the only solution I can find. A couple of years ago, I was invited into, and I hated the name of it because I don't, I, I, I class myself as a writer and presenter, but I was invited into an influencers NBA fantasy basketball league. And I, I got, I, I was first, I finished first on points, tied with a Mr. Lawrence McKenna. Um, oh, nice. He tweeted bragging, I've won this basketball league. Look at this, everybody. And I replied saying, no, you didn't, mate. I, I, I was level with you at the top, deleted the tweet. Couldn't believe it. And I just thought, if there's any off chance that he listens to this being a, co- a, like a co-worker of yours, then I had, to, I had to get out there then. But absolutely uh, fuming. Two when or three we're, years when, later. When we're in the middle of a debate, on the <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it up. Don't worry. He's not gonna, <laughs> I'm assuming he's not going to, he's not going to know. He's going to, who on earth is that kid? But on the off chance. Um, I'll, 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 just before we finish, just rapid fire, I'll ask who would win a Royal Rumble between all the members of the current Man United squad? Oh, that's <laughs> a good question, isn't it? Um, Eric Bay. Oh, yes. Good show. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he looks like he's got like a crazy kicks in him that would do well to get someone over the ropes. He, he, he gets his body in different positions. So, but then, that's probably also very dangerous because I can see him just flying at someone and just them reversing it. So, but I'd go Eric Bay just for the fun. The first one that sprang to mind was Cavani for me, I think. That's a good shout. He looks a... like a Royal Rumble winner, doesn't he? Exactly. Standing on the ropes. He looks like after. an 80s wrestler, like Ultimate Warrior style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely see figurines of him in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and who would win all time? Any Man United player ever, who would win that Royal Rumble? <sighs> That's a Eric Cantona. Eric Cantona's a shout. Yeah, Eric Cantona. Fair. I was I was banking on you saying Roy Keane, but Cantona's proven it, of course. I was gonna level. go Roy Keane, but I feel that's just so cliche to say Roy Keane. Mm, mm, fair. So I go Cantona. That's a as solid as answer as any because the height. But we not... don't know if he, someone jumps over the ropes. If someone says something to him, he's just gonna <laughs> he's jump on, he's over on. the ropes. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's not a good sign. The height he got on that was something, man. But um, yeah, on that note, what better way to end it? Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for being Thank on. Thank you for having me. Um, Three excellent matches, three excellent choices, and a nice discussion towards the end about a whole variety of different things. Uh, once again, I know we did it at the start, but if you want to let everybody know where they can find you, if they don't already know. Yeah, just Adam McCola everywhere, really. Um, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. So yeah, if you want to chat about some, some of the old Attitude Era. Absolutely. Um, well, best of luck for the rest of the season as well. Thank you um, very much. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. Thank you for being on. Uh, and thanks to everybody for listening as well. I've been Jack from Cultaholic. This has been Adam McCullough as well. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you very soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 